0: You eat a Snickers, you're like, wow, I really screwed up my entire day. I shower after I eat a Snickers. Yeah, it's I, sometimes I use it instead of soap.
1: Happy New Year, Paul. Happy New Year. How good New to Year. see you. Happy, Happy New, Happy New Year. Year to our fifty. 50- Six thousand subscribers. We can't believe we reached that number. God, you guys are
0: amazing. You gotta believe. Yeah, you really do. The thing turns out you just you just podcast and fifty six thousand people listen. It's just amazing, it's just and, a- and
1: it's testament to who
0: we are. We do have to close the company because we spent all the money on marketing the podcast. So this will be the last track changes ever. We hope you've enjoyed it. It was worth it. Granted, we built an excellent services firm that was profitable and worked really well for a lot of people. But in the end, just getting that audience and doing the marketing was more important. (laughs) The ego. That's all. I feel good.
1: So we're going to share a little insight. It turns out that when we prep for this podcast, we spend about four minutes. I say a few words, Paul... Says a few words back, and then we say, "Okay, hit record." Here, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. No, no. This, this time is we funny. have a we have a gift in our hands, Paul. Oh my goodness, Gina Trapani, managing partner at Postlight, former founder of Lifehacker, mm-hmm. wonderful part of the Postlight soul. In
0: general, just an organized, kindly person
1: who we are slowly chipping away at. You no, know, it's uh, sad to
0: grind <laughs> her. I've known Gina for a long time, and it, it's sad that we're grinding away at her. But
1: oh, it's just, a, you know. Our house executive is coming out the other end. I That's know, it's
0: true. It's fun to see the beast.
1: <laughs> anyway, she left us a gift. We were uh, like, what are we gonna talk about at the beginning of 2020? She's uh, like, I was on the bus and I wrote 20 things to look out for in twenty twenty.
0: See, I taught her about the express bus
1: and it comes back to me. This is why you share knowledge. And so what we're gonna do in a two podcast series. Oh my
0: god, this is amazing. We're 20 we're branching out for twenty. Yeah, this is postlight public radio. We're gonna right cover
1: now. ten. Some 20 of these, for 20,
0: meaning like 20 concepts or ideas? 20
1: things to look out for in tech in, in 2020. 2020. Yeah. Oh
0: my God, this is content. Yeah. Like, this is content with a K, man. Yeah. This is where it's at.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to talk about the first one we're going to cover. I'm going to I'm gonna say it. I don't know what it is, So, which makes for good podcasting. I'll talk about it. That's my job. Okay, it's called Jobs to be Done. <gasps> oh. Now, this isn't new. Uh,
0: no, Jobs to be Done has been around for a while.
1: Yeah, but the Jobs to be Done framework. tipping point might be coming in 2020. Well, <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what. You remember our friend John Lax? I do. Yeah, John Lax. Uh, he's a Facebook good friend now. of ours. Yes. Really a hell of a designer and a design manager. A design he, leader. He told me first. He was the first to ever tell me. He's like, and it was almost like medicinal. He's like, you need to know about the Jobs to be Done framework. One sentence, what is it? The idea is that, like, you see that mouse you've got in your hand, Rich? I do? Actually, no, wait, what do you got here? You got a uh, new-go-dark, real-dark-chocolate, real-delicious-mint-chocolate-chip. Let's say you were hiring for a chocolate-chip bar. You yep. wanted to hire one so that it could come work uh-huh. at light. So it comes on in. And what, what questions do you ask it? What comes on in? The chocolate bar. Hey, are you delicious? I am incredibly delicious. But I also have other qualities that you'll really like. Like I'm really kind of weirdly crispy because I'm mostly synthetic and I, I only have about 175 calories. So you're,
1: this is sort of an, a mental exercise that that happens. That's the
0: meta aspect of it, right? But the idea is like get the hell out of what do I want and get into like what are the jobs that people have in their lives that they okay. need to get done? Your sweater, you bought it not just because it covers your body and keeps you warm, but because it's a shade of blue that looks good on you and, and all kinds of things. And you need to wear it to, you have certain meetings where that sweater is a good sweater. So wait, jobs to be done
1: is focus on what?
0: It's, oh. a, it's a framework for thinking about design that i Let me work.
1: read it. Jobs to be done is a theory of consumer action. It describes the mechanisms that cause a consumer to adopt an innovation. So what are those mechanisms? The theory states that markets grow, evolve, and renew whenever customers have a job to be done. And then buy a product to complete that job.
0: That's right. So you want a chocolate bar that isn't filled with calories, but is satisfying. But is satisfying. And because you are worried about your figure, you want to feel good about eating a chocolate bar instead of bad about eating a chocolate bar. Okay. Next thing to look out
1: for in 2020. I'm ready. Hasura, paren, GraphQL. Oh, okay. So
0: this one. Close, paren. this actually... Let's this, give this one one minute, Paul. We are masters of this stuff. Down the rabbit hole. There's another technology called PostGraphile, which is similar to this too. So put, bundle them all together. Okay, Rich, what's an SQL database?
1: It's a series of tables that have links that relate certain columns in those tables to one another.
0: Yes. I mean, people who are focused on the relational algebra, their heads just exploded, but basically that, right? Yes. And so there are famous ones. There is MySQL, which is the one that comes with WordPress Mm -hmm. or or that people use with WordPress. That's actually owned by Oracle now. And then there's forks of it and so on. There's this one called Postgres that's just a lovely piece of technology. And it's just an old open source database that kind of does all the stuff you needed to do. Okay. In the olden times of, I don't know, five to seven years ago, you needed to build an API. You might, write it in JavaScript and have it talk to a database even a little bit more yield and you might have done it in Rails or uh, Ruby you know you do mm-hmm. it in Django you do it in Rails and Ruby and you'd write this code that would talk to the database pull the stuff out make a web page then an API showed up and everyone's like oh wait instead of making web pages let's make JSON JavaScript that people can download and so you're getting further and further away from having to talk to the database directly. Well, that's the thing. Everybody kept building layers to make APIs on top of these publishing frameworks, mm-hmm. and then not you, just publishing anything. Yeah, well, I'm mean, publishing. I mean, in like publishing pages, Pushing internet stuff. You know, yeah. yeah, the thing that's happened is people have gone. Why the hell do we need all this stuff in the middle? When I want write one little program. That turns the database into a REST API. Cause that we'll do it better if we do it exactly once by the rules. And then you define your SQL schema, you you say what your data needs to look like, we'll give you the interface, and then you can build from there. The thing about it is you set it up right, you get good at it, you do a little data model. Incredibly productive. You have a working API that's pretty adaptable in like a minute. Like really like there on your desktop, good to go. Yeah. And there are a zillion And this is GraphQL. That's the thing. It can be REST. It can be GraphQL. But you can use all the tooling and all the frameworks in the world that are designed to talk to APIs mm-hmm. on this little data schema that you're building. And like, okay. there have been a lot of commercial products that promise this, but this is a hell of a way to get stuff done.
1: And Hasura is Hasura is a
0: framework for doing that. There's another one called PostGraph File. Okay. So there, I gotta say, learning curves are a lot because you got to know a lot of stuff in the starter. Yeah, they, yeah, you, yeah. You know, yeah. But if you've been in this When you world, turn the corner on GraphQL, though, it's a lovely moment. This is one of those things that IT is going to hate for no good reason and that engineers are going to insist on using. And in about seven or eight years from now, to will be like, well, yeah, no, we just put... The, Great, like, Paul.
1: 20 yeah. things to look out for in 2020. Seven or eight years from now, this
0: should really tip. No, no, I'm talking about enterprise. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like right now, there's an IT department going, we do APIs using Oracle API server. Yep. The next one is Elixir. A delicious bubbly drink that gives you magical powers?
1: Elixir is a functional, concurrent, general purpose programming language that runs on the Erlang virtual machine. Elixir builds on top of Erlang and shares the same abstractions for building distributed, fault-tolerant applications. Elixir also provides productive tooling and an extensible design. Now, I got to be honest, Paul, I'm pretty versed in technology. That didn't tell me a whole lot.
0: No, okay. So Help me out. Okay. Erlang is, you know, Ericsson, the phone company? Sure. There's a language called Erlang, which was to service them. Came around, I think, in the 80s. Okay. It's open source. And it is, you can have a zillion processes running at once, which is great if you're a phone company or a chat network or anything like that. But the syntax for Erlang was based on Prolog, which is a, a not widely used logic programming language from the either late 70s or early 80s. Okay. And so you better get to the good stuff here. Open source, very cool. A lot of people used it. But like Java or many other things, it runs on a virtual machine. And somebody said, you know what? We could be targeting the Beam virtual machine instead of like writing all this prologue-looking code. And so they made a language called Elixir that looks like Ruby, which is a nice looking object-oriented language that people agree, but also like just people are fond of it. And you can compile your Elixir programs, which allow you to open up zillions of like, let's say chat channels at once and run them in memory on a regular machine. And you can g- compile that to the Erlang virtual machine and you can deploy that. So instead of all this complicated, slightly legacy feeling infrastructure, you've got this really like web optimized, like the web of 2020 with lots of sockets and lots of things talking back and forth, mm. optimized platform. And it's a, just a kind of a hell of a thing, right? Like it's just... Anything cool getting built on it right now? I'll tell you about one thing that was cool. Yap.chat. What is that, Paul? Well, as a light product, if you go check that out, it is a way for a bunch of people to talk while they're watching a video or just talk. But yes. like, you, you can load up a YouTube video or a live stream. and uh, You can talk about it together. You can talk about it. You can chat about it together. And without logs. Only the last message remains, and it actually only stays in memory. It uses that virtual machine it never hits the disk okay so like you it Fun. is it's pretty anonymous and pretty silly and it's yes. really we we tweeted about it and people get confused cuz they're like well how do i get likes and faves but it's like yeah, it's, yeah, for, yeah. This it's, is it's for very ephemeral and, this is for you and me to talk trash about the vmas with our spouses
1: right right, right. there's like a good there's a good track changes post about this and you can go play it yap.chat cuz nobody needs a record of all that nobody needs that nobody needs that what's the next I'm excited about this one. Firefox. Ooh. Firefox is, I, it had its moment. I think I'm going to say about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it was the browser. It was really good. The Netscape people or something went off and did a Mozilla and then Mo- so Firefox the, comes Mozilla out. is
0: the open source Netscape spun out after it was acquired by AOL. Right. And so Google decides to go and do it. And well, Google's like, we need to control the web platform. This is we can't let some other browser control our entire business. That's right. And they
1: brought enormous resources to bear. And Chrome is a quality browser. And then you know it faded into the background.
0: Well, Chrome also ate IE. So Google, I, you know, Chrome I'm, also ate IE. Google funds. You know, Firefox, they give it a lot of money for advertising. But they do. M- Microsoft was like, We're gonna have our browser, and Google's like, We're delivering Microsoft competitive products into the via the browser. Like yeah. we better we better figure something out.
1: Yeah. By the way, Google's doing good things because there is the Chromium project which sits underneath Chrome. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're just angels. You really, could just pick it, it up and use it. Google, um, they're great. There's no ambiguity there. But about three months ago, Firefox came out with a major new version that was had two two things going for it. Let's be clear too, they release a new version like every week. They're cranking. But this was A big one, this was like a big release, and there were two, two aspects to it. One, it was blazingly fast, it was doing a lot of trickery around like sort of the view area and all that stuff. It I gotta give really to really it to him, you gotta
0: give it to him too, because it is hard. People have optimized the living crap out of their web browsers at this point, like yeah. all that, like to get a noticeable difference in speed. Yeah, yeah, it's really fast, it's really fast. The
1: other thing is that it is very strongly opinionated about your privacy, and it's starting position on your settings is pretty aggressively let me put it differently you don't need ad blockers with firefox a lot of the tracking and it's a like lot of the stuff way there it's not 100% it's not it's like it's not it's trying to find a, a middle ground here so that it's not absolutely cutting a, yeah. you know slitting
0: the throat of ads there's uh, chrome which is like we're going to show it to you cuz that's how we make money and then yeah. there's incognito and in between there's like half cognito mode <laughs> that's where something like but that. that's kind of where firefox it drops you in and it's like yeah. hey maybe you don't want every part of your body shown i,
1: I have to tell you i have we've talked about Pie Hole in the past mm-hmm. i use Pie Hole at home with firefox as my browser it is blazing fast yeah. that combination of the two so it's free go get firefox i think it's it is actually making a comeback the numbers are starting to creep up again i think people are also exhausted with just these blobs of of data coming in along with the basic article uh, we're yeah. back
0: to square one all All over again. Never underestimate the power of like a great aunt reading something in Time Magazine. And then the kid goes home for the holidays and is like, can you get that off my machine? Yeah. 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 Look how slow it is. Yeah. I heard that they're looking at everything. Well, they they are great (laughs) aunts. Yeah. Here's something different. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right. Next one. Gatsby. Paul, what's Gatsby? Oh, God. I played with Gatsby over the holiday. The more I played with it, the less I have an answer. Let me give you an answer, though, that I think serves, which is that you know how JavaScript is made out of zillions of little pieces now, and they all kind of glue together and make a new JavaScript program? Like, this is like what people do all day. Gatsby is that, but a content management system. So you've got React components on the front end, Markdown files for writing your blog or website content, a lot of CSS and CSS expanders sort of built in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of compile a static website out of Gatsby. Okay, so this is the big thing. There's no database. There doesn't have to be, but you can call and talk to databases.
1: Yeah, but really, it's all about getting up there quickly and separating out the content from the design well, you know, so that a, you can mess with it.
0: There's a thing going on because it's hard to deploy it. All. AWS is big, right? You go to AWS and there's 8 million different services. Gatsby, the idea, there's these things like Zeit and, and Netlify where you're kind of one command away from deploying. Yeah. So you change the markup file and you type deploy, you know, or whatever the Git command is that is relevant to your environment. And now you have a Gatsby website that looks like a great normal website. It yeah. can be designed, however, up online. And so it's sort of like, it's a CMS for that whole world, except that increasingly there are visual ways to edit the content that goes into it on the browser. So it's catching up with other content management systems. So it's kind of a space to watch. Okay. What else you got? Codeless platforms, Notion, Airtable. So these are things like, you know, like Airtable is a great database that runs in the cloud and lets you do lots of databasey things. And it has an API that comes for free and on and on. I'm watching them. I don't think any of them scale. Everybody's been excited about these things for a while. But I don't think any of them get you to the, out of that small business mode. And I think maybe that's great, right? There's 8 trillion small businesses. I feel like this is just FileMaker. Like this that's, is just,
1: we're I, just, you wanted to get a thing done. Look, maybe you and I are just, I co- don't want to talk to tech people. Yeah. And I can get it done.
0: Well, what happens is the company gives you Airtable because they say, go solve it.
1: And, you know, I got to tell you, the people who who are willing to invest in it, it's very empowering to the non-programmer to be able to do this stuff. It feels really good. You feel like you have true control over the thing that you just built because you actually built a thing there. People have been trying to do drag and drop sort of like, let me give you the tool that's going to allow you to practically program, and it's never worked.
0: The the one I love is you're going to be able to describe your program in plain English. In the computer, we'll put it together.
1: Yeah, well, also, like, you know, the way they're teaching kids to code now is you have to make the turtle have sex with the
0: frog. Yeah, and that is inappropriate and terrible.
1: I'm not a fan of it. I'm old, and I'm sounding really old right now.
0: Um, No, but the way I learned to program was you put a turtle on top of another turtle, and you just waited for as many weeks as it took, and that was batch mode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thanks, everyone. That's this week's podcast. And we'll call it there. No, I, I think this is a very meta thing, but like programming is a culture around like the big SDKs and the tools that people expect and understand. Yeah. And Airtable and Notion and things like that are little worlds unto themselves. Yeah, right? they're trying to give people power. But here's what you don't get with Airtable. And this is not a criticism of Airtable. If anything, it might even be praise. You can't experiment with machine learning. That's not what it's for. But a large portion of what people need, like a Python program, A huge portion of
1: what people need is just to organize some things.
0: That's right. But then the stuff that's moving everything forward or that everybody wants to pay for or talk about or do might be like we're going to hook up this data science platform to this to that mm-hmm. and it's just trying to do that with those tools because when i was starting to learn the program like those were the tools kind of things that were at hand yep. even though they were older older ideas or older versions of the same idea it's impossible yeah don't try to glue things together that aren't designed to be glued yeah so cool wonderful use them it's great bring us your prototypes and we'll help you make them real but i'm just keeping an eye like let's see where they go that's okay. 2020 for me for those
1: all right, we need to disclaim the next one because mm. it's a client, mm.
0: Glitch. Oh, glitch is a client. I think 2020 is gonna be a good year for Glitch. What is Glitch, Paul? Glitch is a full programming environment that is in your browser. Go to glitch.com and you are in there. And not only that, you know what's crazy? You can get to the, the Unix console in the browser. Well, oh, that's fun. Yeah, like they give you a little machine to Sp- do stuff for and for free. Speaking of empowering. Yeah, that's the so it's the whole damn thing. That's great. You can drop a SQLite database into Glitch, put a little code in front of it, and have an API running in like a minute. Fun. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Product-led growth.
1: Hey, Rich, what about product-led growth? I'd like to refer you to podcast number (laughs) 661
0: or whatever it is. (laughs) All right, Um, it's 2020. Product-led growth has had a couple years to talk about itself. Yes. Is Uh, this it? Are we going to have, like, everyone's like, well, this is what you do. You do it like Slack. Well,
1: what is product-led growth? Product-led growth is that rather than going in and pitching the buyer, and forcing an application down on a population of users, you just give those users access to some tool, allow that tool to empower them and create evangelism and have that population of users essentially... Be your sales team. That's right. And then you tell them how much it costs. And then after the fact, you create their trust and you create their loyalty and you get their feedback first. And then after the fact, you talk about pricing and you talk about how things are. Well, it's
0: like Slack, there's a free tier kind of forever. First of all, it's product-led growth kind of in opposition to sales-led growth, right? Like that's what we're talking about. But the other thing is, how will we know when this actually matters? Product-led growth? Yeah. I think- Like, can you go buy a product-led growth toolkit? Is there a product-led growth programming framework? No,
1: here's what I like about product-led growth. I love the idea of thinking that way even when you're not selling products. When you are trying to essentially get a piece of software that you've built that you want your users to... Within your company to use, you built an internal tool for like invoicing or some you know what, custom tool. How do you get them to fall in love with it? Don't just
0: talk to the managers and ask them. Get it out there to the. It's people. also the it's the fantasy, of the agency, right? Because when we sell, it takes three to four thousand hours. Yes. Where we we talk through every single thing that's going to happen. Correct. And that's some of is why we do the lab projects and this is why we do efforts because we want people to see the work and go, "Oh, they can do it." Yes. But the true product-led growth, of course, is not that I'm going to sell the services of the agency, but that the product will sell itself. Will sell itself. And By so the, how do you make... Sell-
1: and, and really, I think product-led growth is just design in a Trojan horse. If you design
0: it great and make it... God, that's real. Everybody undervalues this, like not in the typical, like, ah, design, what's it really count? I think everybody knows that design matters, but the sense of enormous physical relief after you've been looking at a lot of software as a service and you finally see the one that doesn't look like it crawled out of a dog's butt and it's just sort of like, oh my God, adults were here. People commit to it. They talk about it. They they know me.
1: They share it with others. No, Absolutely.
0: It's like meeting a friend in a crowd. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, look at that. They, they, they didn't they did put drop shadows. Yeah.
1: You know, we've uh, implemented Salesforce and we understand its value. Uh-huh. But my God. It's a $4 trillion company. $4 trillion company. Yeah. Let me tell you why it's garbage. Okay. okay. If you pull up Salesforce and just open up that interface the first time and there's none of your data's in there yet right and there's just drop downs inside of drop downs that have drop downs within them and what you see is the antithesis of product-led growth to me, what Salesforce is, is data-led growth, right? They are yeah. about, give well, me in, the thing and I will put it in the box for you. Don't sweat it. Once it's in there, it's never coming out. It's
0: going to be dictated to the vast number of
1: users. It is. yeah. And right? look, there's probably great tools and software that's been built. That's I've seen, very, we've built beautiful, elegant software that hides away all the Salesforce. ugliness. But
0: boy, does it, yeah, it punches you right in the face. What I said is incredibly unfair because Salesforce is infrastructure at this point, yeah, it's, it's like not you, actually- You basically just said like Microsoft can't ship software. Like, it is bigger than that. But at the same time, I co- said I just said the LTE network is a
1: terrible product-led growth <laughs> technology.
0: <laughs> the core reality though is that the experience of Salesforce onboarding is like a high-pitched dental drill. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And like, it's almost deterrent. Well, I mean, they don't care. That's not what it's for. Right. And most people don't get that experience. What they do is they get the corporate login. And they go in and they see their cards and they say, oh my God, I need to make 48 calls today. That's right. You know, where are the Glengarry leads? And you don't have access to the Glengarry leads because you don't have the right permissions. Right. And only IT can give them to you. (laughs) Basically, you could redo Glengarry Glen Ross just as a screencast. Oh God! That'd be amazing. Duh, no, no, no. Can you imagine? And it's just like now, if you want to get to the Glen Gary leads, here's where you <laughs> got to go. Go up to the leads category. Uh, okay. Anyway, what else do we have? What else are we watching to see what happens in in 2020?
1: Paul, I've lost count, but we're going to do one more. Okay, we have to say this because apparently it's coming. It's already kind of out there, but it's really not in your face yet.
0: 5G. Oh. Is that meaningful in 2020? So last year, a very large organization, or maybe the year before, asked me to talk about how 5G was going to change the media. And it was cool. I went to a conference room and told everybody about my big thoughts. And so I did a bunch of research First of all, the tech rollout isn't going that great. Like, nobody's lining up to buy 5G phones.
1: I mean, dude, what's 90% of You know, do a pie chart of what people are using their phones for?
0: That's the thing. I'm watching Netflix, no problem, on my phone on the bus home. No problem. No problem. No like, problem. if you're in an urban you know, area. Do I need 8K video on my two-by-three-inch phone? That's the thing. And it's not only no. – it'll be cool when you can get it on your iPad, but it's not like they can kind of jam an antenna in another – it's like all sorts of reflecto, gizmo – Scim crack insanity to make you get your 5G signal. And, uh, you know, I think it roasts baby skin. Like, I don't, I don't think it's actually good for the world. If you told
1: me we can finally watch Netflix on our phones now that 5G is here then I think you've got a game changer on your hands. But well, it I turns out we can watch Netflix on our phones.
0: You know right? what I would, what would change things up is like the Google Stadia product which is, uh, it lets you just play video games yes. like right in your browser or in whatever client it is. And is. You're like streaming the games live essentially. Yeah. If that's the behavior that people have, if they want to enter rich immersive worlds with very high bandwidth from giant platform providers, which yeah. let's be clear, if you're a 5G provider, that's your damn fantasy. But if, you know, for your email like do I need, I'd, I'd like to get my email much much less quickly. I'd like, to, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to get to like two G's coming I want, back. I want like four G Netflix, one G email is where I'm at. You know, I want to close this with a commentary, Paul. Oh um, my God! As opposed to the rest of the show,
1: I think I want to make a commitment to our listeners that we will pull this podcast back up at the end of the year.
0: Uh, don't do that because everybody always forgets this. But if anybody, no, wants no, no. no. To, I guess right, I, I guess what I'm right, trying we'll to, to what I'm
1: trying to say is we don't know what that big thing is. That's coming in 2020. Hey, I,
0: let's be clear from the last 10 years. Nobody does. People told me for seven years it was Bitcoin. Like it doesn't, or blockchain or just whatever. It's like, not just
1: that. We have not seen, what is the last big technology moment in your lifetime? A little big one. Like, whoa. There was 10 minutes ago. And no, there no, is no. from now onward. To me, I, I know what it is in my mind, but you tell me what you think. I would say like probably the web 2.0 like blast. Okay. For me, it was the iPhone and 06. Yeah, that one too. Like, I mean, uh, I will say everyone scrambled after that. What have we seen? It's since a little, that-
0: it's a little more subtle, but I will say web pages becoming apps has been transformative in our culture. Absolutely. Thanks. But that's 15 years ago. Not like now with react. I mean, like people build software in the browser all day long and everybody does it. But the, for common people, they
1: already know that's there, right? I mean,
0: it's like Web 2.0, iPhone.
1: I guess what I'm trying to say is like, okay, fine. Cram another damn camera into my phone. Yeah, but like, what about is that, that? twenty? Is, are we looking at the era of six cameras on the back of my phone? Is that it? Everybody takes a shit on Tim Cook for like, you know, he's just an operator. He doesn't know how to innovate.
0: And, and you know, First of all, I'm Steve Jobs, we haven't increasingly, seen Increasingly, I'm a fan of operators. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, give me well, that's an, just the executive and you No, talking. just
0: give me an operator man especially on the other side of the table when no, fair just, enough. yeah you know what actually i've been thinking about this when you really look at what's coming 2020 is going to be a shit show what do you mean oh i mean you got okay you know what everyone listen up for next week's podcast
1: the shit show of 2020 I don't know if that's the title of the podcast, but that's what we're going to talk about. So hold these thoughts, this collection of thoughts, Paul, and we'll talk about it next week.
0: Can't wait till our new marketing person starts.
1: <laughs> she has to deal with all this.
0: Delete. Okay.
1: All right, Paul, you know what? We're, we've got a great topic for next week. We're going to talk about the shit show, which is always strong. But I think we covered eight things, which we'll just call it the 20 things to look out for in 2020. I don't
0: think people need like an hour and a <laughs> half of us talking about serverless technology. Containerization. Yeah, that's a lot to ask <laughs> of the enough. audience. We will spare you. It is good to be
1: back, Paul. 2020 is going to be an interesting year for Postlight.
0: Yeah, I got to say, we love to hear from everyone, but we would love to hear from product managers, designers, and engineers right now. Boy, we, we are growing rapidly and we could just Love to talk to people about yes. the work that we Yes, come
1: talk to about. us. If you are looking for help in technology, from apps to platforms, really design, engineering, product leadership, product thinking, give us a buzz. We're yeah. at Postlight 101 Fifth Avenue. we in New York City, postlight.com. Hello at
0: postlight.com. We'll talk to you soon.